0: Welcome to Jurassic Park.
2: Hello, everybody, and welcome to this latest edition of Black Hole Cinema. I'm your host this week, Tony Black. Yes, I'm uh, taking the reins for uh, another special episode. This is a Jurassic special. <laughs> a crap dinosaur noise, but there you go. It's the best I've got. It's all I've got in the tank. We're today going to be looking at all four now Jurassic Park slash World films uh, over the last 23 years. Um, with a little bit of news and box office figures in between and indeed a, uh, a brand new section uh, which I'll be doing every time I host called Director's Corner which is going to focus on a specific director um, each time and uh, I will introduce the director a bit later on, we'll keep that one as a, uh, as a really exciting surprise but who I will introduce right now are the guests because joining me tonight are two um, of my old chums who are, uh, have been on the podcast before, firstly welcome uh, Mr Luke Asquith, nice to have you back sir.
3: Yeah, it's a good be kind of just dropped off the face of the planet, but uh, still around, and not a fossil yet. But...
2: Not, not ah, nice, nice <laughs> tie there. The Park. very good. I've got
3: that on my notes. <laughs> excellent.
2: Not yet set in amber, which is excellent. Um, interesting fact: Luke is actually the first, was actually the first ever technically the first ever guest on Black Hole Cinema, because you were the first one I ever did a, uh, an interview with, back in yeah. the uh, yeah, so back in way back in the day. Way back in the day, a good year and a half ago. So uh, mm-hmm. yeah, you have that dubious honour uh, <laughs> <laughs> of being the, uh, the, the main guest. Um, and also joining us tonight is the incorrigible, uh, the, the effervescent, the ever-present Mr. Pete Gaskell.
4: He wasn't here last week, but other than that,
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he also, also pedantic. Let me let me add. Yes. The pedantic
4: yeah, Peter yeah. Gaskell. That's that's, that's a much more appropriate metaphor. But yeah, however, if,
2: if you had your own cartoon or film, I think you would be called the pedantic Pete Gaskell. Or yes, yeah, wouldn't it? Like you know, yeah. The, the, I the think just T. S. Spivey would be the yeah the pedantic Pete mm. Gaskell. I think I
4: think pedantic Pete is it's the best alternative nickname I've ever had. So I'm happy with that one.
2: You could have a lot worse. I have a lot worse and I dare say you have been uh, over (laughs) over the years Um, over the past week (laughs) over the past week (laughs) more than likely so we're going to get straight into it um, so to speak and we're going to like I say we're talking about four films tonight Uh, so we've got no time to spare and we're going to plough straight on and uh, we're going to go in order uh, here so um, we're going to call back we're going to look back to um to a film I think that's very special to all of us the very original the first film Steven Spielberg's Jurassic Park
1: since the beginning of time man has searched the earth for evidence of its past but while some have looked for clues to the mystery one man has found the way to bring the mystery back to life Iona Island, and Island. Off the coast of Costa Rica. And I spent the last five years setting up a kind of biological preserve. Here, on this private island, science has defied evolution.
3: Where do you get a hundred million year old dinosaur plant?
1: Genetics has mastered creation. We've made living biological attractions so astounding that they'll capture the imagination of the entire planet.
2: Jurassic Park! Which is my terrible attempt at an Alan Partridge impression. Um, we <laughs> I wonder if you're going to get that in there. Yeah, it had to be. It had to be in there. So, if uh, if you happen to have been living um, on Vulcan for the last 23 years and you don't know the plot of Jurassic Park, let me summarise. Obviously, uh, made in 1993, directed by Steven Spielberg from Michael Crichton's original novel, involves the titular park, a theme park in uh, Costa on an island of Costa Rica, um, where a uh, a slightly naive, but extremely wealthy billionaire called John Hammond, played by Sir Richard Attenborough, breeds an entire theme park of dinosaurs for public consumption, and he hires uh, Sam Neill's Dr. Alan Grant and Jeff Goldblum's Dr. Ian Malcolm, as well as several others to come and check out the park and check it safe, and inevitably, chaos follows! We must have... Well, you've obviously all seen this. Was this was this film as special to you as in your, child, in your childrenhoods? Even childhoods. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> as, yeah, let's, let's invent a new one. Childrenhoods. Yes, why not? Childrenhoods. Uh, it's fine. Was this film as special to you in your children's childhoods uh, as it was for me?
3: Definitely. It was uh, oh, yes. one of my favourite films. Still one of my favourite films. Yeah, I don't know how many times I've watched that on VCR and... I'd always make sure when it finished I'd rewind it to my favourite bit so the next time I put it on it'd be ready to go Um, but yeah numerous numerous times I've seen that film
4: Oh, same. One of the first films I ever saw in the cinema, and basically developed a bit of an obsession with dinosaurs. I must have had for quite a, quite a long time in my childrenhood Went <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> on, yes. Childhood, yes.
4: It's a yes. thing. It's a thing. Now, but well, no, it's, it's a yeah. Like you said, Rick, it's it's, it's one of those defining moments, wasn't it? Similar yeah. with you as well, Tony. Where it just sort of hit, and then you just stayed stay with you for the next, you know, five, ten years, whatever.
2: Well, I was I was only 12, I think, when it came out. It was 1993. Um, and uh, so to a 12-year-old boy, you know, that's just the greatest thing ever. And it was, you know, looking back now, obviously, it was riding off the crest of the wave of, of the new advances in, you know, CGI and um, visual effects that ILM um, championed in the early 90s with primarily Terminator 2, really, which was the first time we ever saw, you know, those kind of wow when the T-1000, you know, morphs. <laughs> Um, which I'm sure you're both familiar with, and that was the point oh, yeah. where, yeah, where everyone went, "Wow, we can actually." And Steven Spielberg especially went, "Okay, we can do like it doesn't have to be many rubber suits anymore, <laughs> you know, or <laughs> Ray Harryhausen stop motion kind of things. We can actually properly do dinosaurs now." And that was it. And then obviously, you know, that revolution in many ways Jurassic Park was the was the start if, if there was no Jurassic Park there would probably have been no Phantom Menace. <laughs> so we've got a lot to blame Jurassic Park for. <laughs> 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 but it, but it. it damn it. But it was these innovations by people like James Cameron and then Steven Spielberg which which led George Lucas to remake, you know, to make the prequels and then all the the onslaught then in the in the you know, the 2000s and and everything of the CGI we have now. So, you know, the legacy of Jurassic Park isn't necessarily as good as the film uh, because it has. He did open the door of a Pandora's box, really, in movie making, and um, some of which is terrible. Transformers, but um, <laughs> but the film itself, I think he's just. I mean, I I watched it the other day. Um, my I watched it three times in the cinema when it first came out. I watched it when it came out in two thousand thirteen and a re-release, and you know I went back to the cinema and had the goosebumps. All over again. It's it's just it is timeless in terms of how yeah, how definitely. wonderful it is. I think. Oh yes. Yeah. You know, it's just. Like, what were the goosebump moments for you two? Do you think?
3: The gates. Well, the gates. Well, for me, and the, the big one for me was uh, when they first see them, and just the look on Ellie's face is the exact look I had mm. when mm. the camera pans around and you see them and. I've got goosebumps now <laughs> just thinking yeah. about that. But like, yeah, that always gets me up there. I think
2: yeah. it's, it, it's that moment, isn't it? It's that kind of you know, wow. You know, because it, it's, it's, we hadn't yeah we hadn't seen them before, had we? It was the first yeah. moment you'd seen anything like that on film, and you. It, I think the way that he built that up as well. You've got like John Williams' score just escalating in the background. You've got their faces and just that sheer look of, and then you know Richard Attenborough goes, "Welcome." To Jurassic Park and it's just like oh, <laughs> this is going to be good um, yeah. you said the
4: gates Pete which... yeah the, the gates when the gates are open and they, and they go through it just, just for some reason it just maybe more uh, you know on repeat viewings because I know what's coming up but for me that just rises the anticipation equals every time mm. there's something special about it which which as, as we'll discuss later in Jurassic World has the same effect again then so something about that moment and obviously John Williams' theme always
0: always mm. always
2: I I think that's a very underrated theme, isn't it? The the Mm. Jurassic Park? I mean, you know, John Williams has created the best Hollywood themes, I think, in history. But Mm -hmm. collectively, but you know, people they forget that with you know Indiana Jones, Superman, you know, all these different uh, Star Wars, Star Wars, Wars, obviously. And I think people sometimes forget. Oh yeah, Jurassic Park's also got a really iconic. It is iconic.
4: It is Um, iconic.
2: I think that's a way to describe the whole film, really, isn't it? It's just Mm. it's pop culture Mm. iconic. In so many ways,
4: yeah, you can always tell because there's so many moments that bred through into into other films and other you know elements of pop culture, and it, and it started there part of it. Even something as simple as the obvious um, the water, but it be you know be the, the, um, the rumblings of water. <laughs> the that's rip-offs. my
2: moment. That's, that, that's just... my. That's, that, that's my <laughs> moment of, of just like you know goosebumps. It's, it's the water. It's the. <laughs> Where <laughs> is that? Oh, I, when I went to see it again in the cinema a few years ago, it was it, I had the same experience. I was sitting there with two of my best friends. We'd all we were all roughly the same age. We'd all seen it when we were kids, and we were just there, just you know, just gripping the seat, going, "Oh my god, <laughs> this is so good!" Um, it's yeah. I think that and um, and possibly the bit that always gets me is, is the bit at the end when they're um, they're running out of the the big like display room with the dinosaur um bones and the T Rex is in there and it just roars and then when dinosaurs ruled the earth just froze yes. yeah, <laughs> over it. That bit gets me as well because it's just signature mm. that's the whole that's the whole point really. Mm. I think um I think I I I don't make I think it's a, I think it's a clever film though as well. I think it's it's saying more under the surface than just a big adventure, you know, blockbuster, which of course it is. I think there's a little
4: bit more down there, don't don't you? A bit more of a layer. Hmm. But the dangers of, of playing God really, isn't it? Mm. Measuring things you don't really understand, which is it's obviously something we've, it's played on across all the series, but
5: mm. I think
4: it's handled best in the first one.
5: Yeah. It,
4: I mean, I mean, it's, it's voiced a lot more by by in Malcolm in particular, doesn't it? It's the whole my favourite one. The whole thing is you know, are so so preoccupied with wondering if you could, mm. you never stop to. Or, you know, figure out if you should. If you oh, should. oh, that's that's a power phrase, but yeah,
2: that <laughs> that's that, thinking, that yeah that, that, that
4: line is just um, oh, it's, it's just, it encapsulates everything about Jurassic Park in one line, doesn't
2: it? It's that I think that's that's what I like a lot about it because it is it is that whole thing of how you know that's to be honest that's the whole running theme of all the Jurassic Park films, really, isn't it? About mm-hmm. these men who aren't respecting nature and who are just expecting these dinosaurs to to do what they want and to be what they want. And then, you know, it it the, when they don't respect nature, it bites back at them. And it's that whole, you know, it's the moral argument as well about, like Jeff Goldblum says, you know, you, you, just because you can do something doesn't mean you should do something. And it's, it's that whole ethical sort of argument that underpins everything else, which gives it more, gives it a lot more depth, I think, Jurassic Park. It gives it that. And that obviously comes from Michael Crichton, you know whose novel was was quite different it was a lot darker and a lot more there was a lot more stuff about chaos theory in there and with malcolm and stuff like that which they have to just cut for the film because they want it to be a you know entertaining ride which it is but it's definitely got more depth than than it could have done than i think lesser filmmakers would have would have you know had it had it do really so it's it is a classic i mean it, it, there's no other way to describe it i think it's just a pure classic
4: it's, it's one of the defining films of the 90s right I mean every, every decade has its has its core group of films and I think right out, Jurassic Park is there in the 90s it's one of the mm. top tier isn't it yeah. films you automatically think of when you think
2: of the 90s yeah hugely it's interesting though because Spielberg actually only made this as part of a deal to make Schindler's List in mm. that he uh, yeah in that they uh the studio said look cuz he wanted to make Schindler's List he'd been planning it and they said right we'll let you make Schindler's List but you first need to do Jurassic Park and even though he was he'd been you know setting Jurassic Park up for a couple of years and he was very interested in it he saw it more as an exercise in filmmaking and in, sh- in you know in technical stuff than actually something that he was re- really invested in like like Schindler's List and he was he was doing post production on Jurassic Park while he was filming while he was in like Poland filming this list, so it's why those two films came out the same year, pretty much. So that was to go from those two. I mean, <laughs> you can't get more extremes, can you? You know. But I think uh, it's just it's just got the lot. I mean, to to me, is it is one of the best films of the nineties. It was it was the, the film I think that got me interested in movies. I think it was the one of the films that I remember being a really seminal thing for me. It was the first film. I remember seeing multiple times. It was the first films that I think one of the first films that got me wanting to watch more movies. You know, it was it just I cannot overestimate how big a thing this was for me when I was a kid. It was it was my obsession for a long time. Um so it's just I just love watching it again. You know, it will always be one of my best one of my favourite films and I think one of the best films I'd put it in the top hundred films, to be honest, ever made. Jurassic Park. Hmm. I really, I really would, I think it's just I think it's really great from start to finish. So that's that's a high accolade. Where can you go from there? Um, you know, top 50. There's only <laughs> top, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
5: yeah. Um,
2: but I fear there was only one way to go, um for Jurassic Park, but uh, we'll get to that later. Hmm. Okay, moving on. Uh, we're going to have a break from all the all the dinosaurs. Um, all the Jurassic chat and talk, uh, film news, because uh, it is another week, and there has there has been news, and uh, <laughs> it's been it's been it's been an interesting week. Some interesting things happened this week. So, uh, Luke, why don't you go first? What's uh, what's what's your film news of the week?
3: Uh, obviously, I think the big one um, recently is Sir Christopher Lee, sadly sadly passed mm. in. Big loss. Uh, I think a lot of people felt that one. You know, he, he had a long run though, so it's something to celebrate, not really be sad about. You know, he he did a lot of good work, um, mm. a lot of big work. Um, but you know, it, it wasn't just film. You know, I appreciated the the music and the metal, and you know, um, I've been reading up on him recently and uh, his um, military career and things like that. So, I do think he's definitely one to celebrate, but it is a big loss to the industry.
4: Is he the actor with the most credits on MDB? Is that just a myth? I'm not Cause, too sure. Uh, but I mean, he, he has had—he he did have a seventy-year career, so it, it, even if it's not true, it's, yeah. it, it must be. It must be one of them. He's got to have a lot.
2: It could be. I mean, he—I he, think he's got tons because he, he was—he mm. was still working up until like now till he mm. died. Yeah. Um, so mm. it wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't not surprise me at all because um, he'd done all kinds of things over the oh, years. Yeah, done funny. TV and he'd done films. and <laughs> Heavy metal. Um, <laughs> yeah, heavy metal, yeah. Um, <laughs> he was,
4: it was, he was, he was the oldest man to be in the Billboard charts as well. Was he really? Yes, <laughs> he was. I think it was at like his ninetieth birthday, but he released that album.
2: <laughs> wow!
4: Incredible.
2: Legendary. Incredible. He's yeah. just—he's, he, uh, you know, genuinely a remarkable man. I think. Oh wow! Yeah. Had a remarkable life. I think someone described it as, you know, most of us. Will only do like a fraction in our entire life of what Christopher Lee did in his, yeah. you know, and it's like the amount of things. I mean, one of my favorite facts, and there's, I mean, there's tons of facts about him, but one of my favorite facts is is that he was in the SAS, and he, mm. he can't he can't talk about what he did. <laughs> <laughs> even even now, he was asked, and he says, "I can't talk about any past, present, or future operations. Just know that, like, I was in it, and that's it." Which makes me think that he was involved in some serious shit <laughs> back in the day. You know, He was probably there in Hitler's bunker. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, he's just like,
3: it makes you wonder.
4: To be fair, if, if you were an enemy agent and they sent Christopher we
3: after you, you would just go, fair play. Hands you just up. you that Take voice me. and you'd be like, yeah, I'm just not. Track yours not after me. End. I'm going. <laughs> it would be
2: that kind of deep voice, you know, that kind of thing talking to you you'd be like Ugh, uh. <laughs>
4: uh, um, just, just, just a slight little um, footnote as well um, his final role is actually coming out it's a film he filmed last year but it's, only, it's coming out soon and um, the name of the film escapes me now but his actual part is the boss of the universe
2: which <laughs> I, I think he's just so fitting <laughs> what a perfect way to go out what a perfect way to end <laughs> the boss of the universe brilliant I think uh I think a lot of people were affected by it because he's one of those people I think you really thought was going to be around forever yeah um, he, was, he was going on and he's, he wasn't you know he was still working and he'd been in so many iconic things I mean obviously he was Dracula you know yeah. he'd done things like Fu Manchu he'd done all the Hammer films he'd done obviously he was Scaramanga which is my favourite role yeah, yeah. he ever did <laughs> not a good film the man with the golden yeah. gun in my opinion but he was it, brilliant all the way through easily yeah. the best thing in that film easily and he wasn't even in much of it when you look back actually yeah. He's only in like about half that film. Tops. He's in I mean, all that matters. Yes. All yeah. that matters. You see, all saying. the bits that are good, he's in. Um, you know, and it's that. Mm. I, I when when um, I put a picture on Facebook of him um, at the dinner table when he's talking to Bond, and he says, uh, "Oh Bond, uh, you, you take just as much pleasure in killing as I do." And I always think of the trip. I don't know if you've seen the trip with Steve Coogan and uh, Rob Brydon because they get yes. that a scene, and, yes. it's, uh, and they 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 tried out Bond each other <laughs> and out Scaramanga each other. Come, the Bond. Are drinking wine, getting more drunk? Come, the Bond. you have more pleasure than killing. It's great. Um, I recommend that. <laughs> um, but, uh, but then obviously, you know, things like Saruman the White and uh, and then Count Dooku. I mean, say what you like about the prequels, they're shit. Say what you like about them. Uh, <laughs> he was great, you know. I think in those, and it's he could pretty much elevate. I think anything he was in, really. Um, yeah. Even when he was in shit, and he did a lot of shit you know <laughs> he was good so a great a great actor also must be said uh, and it's a bit of a shame because this got slightly overlooked by Christopher Lee but Ron, Ron Moody died as well on the same day yes um, yeah and uh, obviously Ron Moody was um um was fagin in Oliver Twist mm. another great old actor another bit of a legend didn't make as much of an impact as Christopher Lee but um who did well yeah exactly <laughs> uh, yeah. but one of those you know, great old actors who'd done some really good stuff and was quite underrated actually and he was one of those people I think from what I've read since he turned a lot down I think if he'd have I mean he, he got the chance to play the Doctor for instance back mm. in the 60s and he, did, he said no and he regretted that I think had he not turned a lot more down a lot more people would have known who Ron Moody was mm. but you know he was I, I, 91 yeah so two non-agenarian actors dying in one week hmm very sad. So rest in peace, Christopher Lee and Ron Moody. I, there was a great exchange that my that Les Les Pitt, who's been on the uh, the podcast, put on, tw- on uh, Facebook about this. Uh, it was a, 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 an imagined conversation between Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing in heaven, in which um, <laughs> Peter Cushing says to him, um, "So how did you leave them down there, Christopher?" And he just replies, "Terrified." Um, <laughs> 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 which I like. I think that sums it up, yes. really. Yes. What's your news anyway?
4: My news is, 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 a, is a lot lighter than them, um, but yes, it's, it's just a bit of balance. It's um, casting news for the new Ghostbusters film, obviously, with Paul Feig's Spy coming out last week. There's, there's been a lot of press about Ghostbusters film that we're doing next year, and quite, quite probably the first male cast member announced for it is Chris Hemsworth. He's been cast as the receptionist. Which I think is is brilliantly subversive. And uh, yeah. It's it yeah, there, there you go. I I don't think he will be playing Janine Melnitz, but you never know. Um James yeah.
2: Jane's melnitz. <laughs> <laughs>
4: um. But yes it's it's I like Chris Hemsworth and I like his uh, his mm-hmm. comic timing I think is underrated so mm-hmm. it, I think he'll be a good fit for, in whatever sort of uh, presumably a small part in, in the film but you know it, it, seemed, it seemed to work well and I, I've got more confidence about that film because I really like Spy mm. yeah, so yeah. so so you know I'm, I'm getting more and more you not know, say excited but intrigued by it
2: yeah, same. Okay. I, I'm. I'm. I think that's a great bit of casting. I think it's mm. a very shrewd piece of piece of casting from mm. Chris Hemsworth. Actually, I think it's a very shrewd move because playing with his image a bit. Yeah, that film is going to be extremely successful. I, I mean, Spy, like you said, Spy was Spy was Spy's good. Spy's a good film. You know, we mm. reviewed Spy last week. Mm. Spy's funny. It's got me a lot more excited for Ghostbusters. The very name of Ghostbusters is enormous. It's a franchise in itself. It will do well, despite whatever. You know, it will it will storm the box office. It's a shrewd move because it will allow him, like you said, to play comedy. Mm. And he is good at comedy because you couldn't play Thor the way it's played without being good at comedy. You know, he is. Mm. He's, he's, he's got that deadpan. A bit like Channing Tatum in that he's got that deadpan you know sort of delivery you, Channing Tatum could play that part as well I, I dare say in Ghostbusters yeah it's that kind of, it's the same, they've both got cut from the same cloth, aren't they they are a little bit yeah they're both cut from, from the same plot I think it's very clever very clever move nice piece of casting how about you Luke are you looking forward to, to Ghostbusters 3 do you know much about it
3: mm, not really I'm not really looking forward to it <laughs> um, mainly because I'm not a fan of this big stunt thing of a oh it's an all female cast and yeah I'm just not really that interested in <laughs> it um, I'm not a massive fan of remakes um, and reboots, and I think this trend needs to stop. I'd much rather see original content than them just rehashing what they know is going to sell tickets. Well, it's
2: but, interesting. Uh, but, yeah. This has been this has been an ongoing debate lately, and it was something that we covered, I think, last week briefly, which is the fact that original films are not they're not doing box office. Very mm-hmm. rarely are they doing box. And I was feeling I was having this conversation with my housemates not long before recording, so you're talking about um Jurassic World, which we'll get to later, but it, it has absolutely destroyed the box office this weekend. Yeah. It, you know, it, Ridiculously. <laughs> um, we'll, we'll talk more about that later, but it's this whole idea that, you know, if you compare that to Tomorrowland, which came out a few weeks ago, that has been a, a quite a flop for Disney. Yeah, I think uh, Disney
3: that, said they were expecting $140 million loss on it, aren't they? Something right? like that. It's, Ridiculous. it's up there,
2: It's getting up there with your John Carter... Yeah. Kind of losses here. Now again, John Carter was in a. Um, it's based on a on a um you know on a semi
4: semi set of novels in the early nineteen hundreds, isn't it? Like Edwardian right, yeah. stuff. Yeah, but, yeah, that's right. Edwardian, yeah. sorry. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Edwardian. Yeah. Well, it's, so it's that sort. <laughs> that sort of timing.
2: Yeah. Well, yeah, roughly. <laughs> it's, it's that exactly. It, and so it's it's not necessarily original, but it, in comparison to franchises, it is. You know, but again, that did nothing. I mean, that wasn't a good film. But regardless, <laughs> Tomorrowland's a better film than that. But the point is, people aren't watch. People aren't going to see that stuff for some reason. And you, you know, for, for Tomorrowland, you can't accuse that of not having the right components. You know, yeah. you had a really good director, had a nice story. It had George Clooney, who's a box office drawer It's like, so where did it go wrong? So, um, has has it
4: been? Just, just just, to... I've been probably missed the of couple of minutes. Has it been an absolute box office smash that's not been an adaptation or a sequel or a reboot or anything of uh, that kind of since Inception? Because that's the last time I think it's been on. Um, that's five years ago!
2: That's That would be interesting. If anyone knows that, tweet us or Facebook us and let us know, actually. Because that's that's a really interesting question, because I don't know the answer to that one. I, sh- I can't think of anything off the top of my head. I really can't. If anything, most of these things have made a loss. Mm. Um, or they, mm. they broke even, or they've not done too badly. But they haven't titanically destroyed the box office.
4: The big hitters um, these days are the established franchise with continuations or reboots or adaptations or something like that.
2: <laughs> but, but, but even more so than, than usual. I mean, it's like something's changed to the point where people just are not going out to the cinema for anything that they don't already know or have a, st- a built-in relationship with, you know and I've, it could be the proliferation of the cinematic franchise that, that's caused this problem because now you've got so many franchises, and not just sequels, not just, you know, the odd double film or the odd trilogy like The Matrix you've actually got now, I mean if they were doing The Matrix now, The Matrix would have been about Nine or ten films with lots of spin-offs <laughs> from, like you know, Morpheus would have got his like, an origin film. Do you know what I mean? It would have been. That's what would have happened. Um, I
4: was, I would so to be more called, about Agent Smith. Just called Smith. Smith.
2: Smith. <laughs> we, we laugh about it, but it probably would have happened. Smith the movie. Um. So yeah, we're at, we're at a point now. I think where people they want some kind of already built in ongoing narrative connective tissue story mm. or something that has a history to it it's, it's quite scary really because it mm, I don't know where it's all going to end really um, because it, well I, I do people won't get green light to make anything original anymore That that's where it will end and that your, your big films original films will have no budget anymore you know you won't get films like Tomorrowland made mm-hmm. because nobody will fund them or if they make them they'll have to be massively scaled down and they won't be what was intended to be, which is what we,
4: which is sad. Why do we need to be a big superstar director to get a huge cast together and and just shoot for it? I mean, well, Avatar is the obvious one there. I mean, that was that, that that's still the box office, yeah, you know, box office smash of all time, isn't it? And that was original in 2009, so it is yeah. possible. It just needs something, yeah, you know, monstrous like that, something that's new, innovative in, in ways people have never seen before.
2: With Avatar, though, I think you can't underestimate the the 3D impact there. I mean, like, that well, that's, that's, that's what I'm suggesting, really, as well. It
4: yeah, needs something different, and that was different in its day. I,
2: it think, was... oh, I, I think I may have an answer to the question, actually, that you were earlier posed. Interstellar. Wasn't that big of a
4: smash, show? It wasn't like a monster Inter- smash, was it?
2: Interstellar made nearly 700 million. Did it? So Yeah. See,
4: but I didn't realise it made quite as big a... Mm dented my box was it did
2: then oh. well. it, it did I, it's, that's possibly with, with you know on demand blu-ray I suppose you know, afterwards yeah, yeah I suppose um, 672 million so that's a lot better than I thought it did that's a lot of money you know for one but again the reason is no that you've got you've got Nolan and he assembled a cast who are at the top of their game in terms of popularity Matthew McConaughey has, has just got an Oscar he's a massive name now People will go to see him, you know, in, and then it had, you know, had a really good cast. It's got Nolan. It's, it just had a hell of a lot of buzz behind it. So yeah, you've got to have, I think, that now. Really, direct. We're in an age now where the director has become as big a name as a star now, if anything bigger. Okay. You know, it, there are only a few actors in Hollywood now where you can genuinely put the name above the film, and the name will sell the film. I think.
4: I think we've got one now. Certainly. Coming out, of, coming out of this last week.
2: Well, <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, i it's,
4: well, it's, yeah. it's on. it's on it's only cycles though, because I mean, in, in the 40s and 50s directors were God, anyway, I mean, obviously Hitchcock and John mm-hmm. Ford and and, and yeah. um, directors like that were, were obviously huge weren't they? David Lean, etc.
2: Yeah, that's a good point. I think so it's, think it's maybe it's going back round, yeah. I agree, I think, I think you're absolutely right, I think, I think it has come back to that. I think the days of the big the big actor carrying the films are largely gone you know you like I say there's only a handful you could probably Tom Cruise probably Robert
4: Downey Jr.
2: yeah yeah, probably Robert Downey Jr. Jennifer
4: Wobbins um, Jennifer Wobbins these days I
2: think maybe but then she she I don't know I, I think she, most of the time she's, she's done most of what she's done has been at relatively on big films but they're ensemble you know I mean yeah, the Hunger games mm. I guess but I don't think that's her I think that's the Hunger games because that that's the books mm. um, I don't know about that not possibly possibly
4: we'll have to see Chris Pratt in films that aren't franchise based
2: to determine oh, stuff yeah. if anyone like can think of any other big films that are booking this trend do let us know do do let us know it's a really interesting topic we I dare say we will revisit this at some point so that's the news for this week that's a few s- snippets of news. Let's get get on with the uh, we get to get back to dinosaurs. Yes. Um, again The impression see. is not improving. It's not improving,
4: <laughs> is it? I'm hoping it will direct the podcast. It's uh, getting worse through time, which I mean it's gonna get, get slightly better again twenty two years later. <laughs> oh, ho,
2: ho, ho. What it did there. Uh Okay, well uh, we're gonna move on and uh, take a look at the second Jurassic Park film, The Lost World.
4: British family on a yacht
1: cruise stumbled upon Site B. Now it's only a matter of time before this lost world is found and pillaged. Hopefully, we've kept this island quarantined and contained, but I'm in shock about all this. Wow. (laughs) That's it always starts. But then later there's running and then
5: screaming. Mm. Uh, yeah, it came out
4: in 1997. Steven Spielberg back on board. The basic idea is that there was a second island. There was another. Instead, instead of it being a park, but it's, it's basically... Well, instead of being a zoo, this is a safari park in essence, isn't it? It's where the dinosaurs arrived to roam. 3. Things go wrong, as as is usually the case. Um, Richard Attenborough's character, John Hammond, sends for Ian Malcolm again girl Jeff Goldblum to basically go and sort things out with a motley crew including a team of big game hunters for reasons best explained by plot <laughs> uh, <laughs> Jeff Goldblum is also convinced to go out fact that his ex-girlfriend and well his current girlfriend I believe and his teenage daughter are also there in a, in a plot device swifty from Dinner's Last Crusade but never mind um, yeah so, Things go down, people die, T Rex gets captured and taken to San Diego, and the film goes badly wrong from then on. Mm. As it turns, as it morphs into a really bad Godzilla knockoff. Despite what you may have gone from my sort of slightly sarkier side, so there are some good points to it. Um, I really like Pete Postlethwaite in particular, who plays the chief, yes, big game hunter and Tembo. He is whenever he's on screen, he electrifies it. Um, mm. Particularly the, the, the opening. Really, when you see all these hunters in full form, just blasting away at uh, a uh, you know dinosaurs in the, in, as a roaming free, and when unfortunately, you know, spoiler's he doesn't make it to the end of the film. When when he does leave the the uh, the island, <laughs> it's just very survivor-esque, isn't it? When he does leave the island there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that would have been better actually, Dinosaur Meets Survivor. But yeah, um Oh yes. Oh yes. When when he does when he does go, um the film takes a nose from there. Gobrum's great as as ever. Richard Schiff is in it, which I think is fantastic.
5: Mm, he doesn't
4: that. do anything, but he's in it. Mm. There's, there's a few good there's a few good action sequences, a few a few bits of spear working and touches, but then like I say it all goes really badly wrong towards the end. And you just have T Rexes stomping around the suburbs of San Diego, which is just a bit, a bit daft, and, and, and um, it, it all falls apart. It's a, it's a, it was apparently based off a Michael Crichton novel, which was a sequel Ooh. to his original one. I haven't read that, so I don't know how much of it was taken from it. But I can't believe the second half it was.
2: Yeah, I think it, I think the problem with this one is, I mean, it was it was written by by fan demand for a start. Crichton wasn't going to do a sequel. Yeah, uh, and the fans said to him, "Oh, I'll do another one because we love Jurassic Park the film. We want another film," and he was like. Oh. Go on, then, if I must. He knew he knew a cash cow when he saw it, but it was written in in t- a tandem with the scripts. Mm. But the problem is for me, this this isn't really a Steven Spielberg film. You know, it it, it doesn't fit him almost because it's not it's not that kind of Steven Spielberg. is great at two things, and I'll we'll talk more about this later. I dare say, but he's great at at films that have deep meaning and can be very like serious and based on. You know, emotion and things like that, and actual world events, and and then he's brilliant at, at action venture and you know mm. escapism. What he's not good at, and what he doesn't fit, is almost like corporate conspiracy monster thriller, and that's effectively what this is. I I, I, I wrote a review of this, and I, I put you know it, it's the whole high concept classic blockbuster thing again. If you can sum up the story of Jurassic Park in one line, dinosaurs escape from a dinosaur based theme park simple that that's that's effectively what it is what's the actual one line through line of the lost world can either of you do it what is it what's what's the story of this film
4: Di- dinosaurs dinosaurs in jungle island get captured and deposited to san diego for no reason
2: right, the, right okay that, that's probably <laughs> it in its basic form scientists sent to island to Categorize dinosaurs, but another team goes to the island to kidnap them and put them in an amphitheatre as part of a um, conglomerate plan. Uh, exactly. <laughs> do you, see, do you see, what, see the difference? Right? Mm. Even in the third one, you can say family um, attempt to rescue their son from dinosaur um, preserve. You, know, you can even do it with the third one. I mean, that, that's not really a great film. Dinosaur
4: preserve just sounds like it it <laughs> <laughs> mm, a make of jam.
2: Mmm, a jam but you know so it's the whole thing of I think when when you can't actually do that with, with a script and with, with, a, with a story you've got a problem you've got a fundamental problem and I think it's a very baggy film you know it, it just it goes around the houses, it doesn't really you know it doesn't particularly it doesn't have an exciting through line it does have its moments it's like you said mm. there are some well directed sequences the one that stands out for me is roughly halfway through the, smack bang halfway through the film where their trailer goes over a cliff edge and they're hanging Yes that is the best moment. That is far better than anything else in this film because it's really well directed. It's tense as anything. And it's just five minutes of pure. I mean, it's as good as anything in Jurassic Park for me, that, that sequence. Um, but that's it. The rest of it is very bother numbers, as you say. The characters aren't nearly as interesting. Poor Jeff Goldblum. He, he really is not a leading man in this kind of film. He, as The Fly proved, he can do a leading oh, man perfectly. I love well. that film. Great film. He's nothing. I'm not. I mean, Jeff Goldblum makes any film better for me. But in this film, he is not a leading man. All the all the stuff that made Ian Malcolm great in the first film has to go in order for him to be a, a leading man. He's
4: he's being a Malcolm Grant hybrid, isn't he? He's being yeah. Malcolm, Grant. Malcolm
2: <laughs> Grant. Yeah, and it doesn't work. He's not. He's not got that sort of sly, you know, flirty, you know, slightly arrogant cleverness to him. He's just a dad who he's trying to save his daughter while getting exasperated by everyone else and running around a lot it's like, well,
4: you know, not you know, the only bit where he is the same character is actually in his introduction when when mm-hmm. beats him again when right, right, right? he says I'm not making the same mistakes last time no yeah, you're making all know, new, you're ones. One, new ones
2: yeah it, it, <laughs> that's, that's it's great that's when you get the classic Jeff uh, J- Jeff Goldblum way of talking which is to do yes. lots of sentences and then stop and think about it so John are you really going to Go to the island and 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 do all those things. You must be crazy. Is, is really, <laughs> I love the way he speaks. It's Great, um, but yeah. It, I, after I just think,
4: after that opening scene, and it, it just becomes. Like I said he's half
2: Malcolm and half, yeah, know, and isn't is I think you're completely right, and it doesn't work. You know, it, it, you can't make a, mathema, a, a, a sarky mathematician into a leading man in an action film.
4: Yeah, it doesn't
2: work. It just wait
4: till the sequel to the theory of everything.
2: <laughs> the one where Stephen Hawking gets bionic legs and has to go uh, and chase dinosaurs. I'd watch that actually. <laughs> um, on PC as that, <laughs> that, it
4: can't so make the awesome. be totally surprised.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's just it's disappointing. I mean, I think it's if not Spielberg's worst film then it's one of them and it's it, it's a shame because it's not really his fault really he does try but he even he's elements
4: but it's 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 a bland film from Spielberg yeah. and it doesn't be too bland
2: it drags it it goes on you know and even he has admitted that it got away from him and while he was filming mm. he said that you know he felt like it was he didn't know what the core and the and the emotion and the soul of that film was. He said, I was making it, and I was thinking, well, what is this, really? And I think he... So there isn't Exactly, because there isn't. It just... And like you're saying, when you it get to the end, and it's it's just dinosaurs on... on it's a bad
4: Godzilla movie, isn't it? It's a yeah. bad Godzilla
2: movie. It's just like, oh... This isn't nearly as cool as you think it would be. And, uh, you know... I,
4: you see, I like the idea of it being in the jungle. That was a good development, because I thought, sort of, the first one was there's a, was a dinosaur in the human world versus humans in the dinosaur world. I think that's a nice change. But well, then it's dinosaurs in another human world, but, you know, in, in, in a town. It's, it's not as mm. scary or as creepy yeah. or anything. It's just, oh, look, there's a T-Rex going past my window.
2: Yeah, <laughs> and that, yeah, that is all it is. And, you know, you don't really believe any of it, and it's just, it's just all a little bit pointless, really.
4: Why San Diego? I know because it's a massive zoo, <laughs> but you take it to New York or San Jose. If you go to America, you take it to a big city where there's stuff people recognise. So, it was no, in San Diego. Anyone San
2: Diego. It. Maybe it was cheaper to film there. Who knows? <laughs> um, I'm
4: guessing it's because
3: of a zoo, but even then... Yeah. Luke, are you a fan? It's not my least favourite out of the four. Yeah. Um it's second my face least favourite um, so it's not It's not a massive improvement um, there was just something lacking in it like, I, I think you know like you're saying with Spielberg not understanding what the film was um, but then the cast as well I think I, I don't think the cast were interested. interested like, since mm. obviously the release Julianne Moore said she only did it because she needed to pay off the divorce settlement And you know it was just very <laughs> nice this is going to make money so we'll do it mm. um, it's
4: interesting what you say about your reactions because it's on paper see, he's got look at it he's got a really good cast hasn't he I yeah. mean Jeff Goldblum Julianne Moore mm-hmm. I mean Vince Vaughan, he can be okay Pete before Paul suffered, weight as we say was great but
2: Vince Vaughn before he basically self-destructed his entire career
4: before <laughs> he ballooned before he discovered before he put the yeah, weight on <laughs> before yeah. he put the
2: weight on probably because he knows he's making shite so he just eats <laughs> to make himself feel better
3: you were saying that the scene in the trailer when the trailer goes mm-hmm. over the edge that's obviously my favourite scene from it I think it's one of the only good like action set pieces in it that actually worked, mm. um, and then I really like the opening as well, just because I love that snotty posh English girl <laughs> being attacked. Because <laughs> right, I'm not being funny, but if I saw a big, well, quite a large herd of <laughs> yeah. lizards walking on two legs, I wouldn't be feeding it a roast beef sandwich. <laughs> I'd be screaming for help a lot sooner. You're
2: fucking run, <laughs> wouldn't You look, like, yeah, yeah. Stupid, stupid little cow <laughs> <goat. laughs> Um, I do, Man. I do agree. I do agree about Possum though. Definitely, and I, uh, there's, there's that moment when you first meet the character where he basically turns around to Alice Howard and goes, "Right, I will, I will do this for you, but I want to hunt a T Rex." And I'm not going to tell you why. It's my business. Just do what I want. And it's just a brilliant yeah. moment where he, you <laughs> just, this guy means business. He, he means business. Unfortunately, he's completely wasted after that. And you really, he you know, really is for the most for the most I, part. I, I love a bit when it's
4: the first front and you see him just absolutely loving this. He's just taking pop shots over. Yeah. Boat.
2: Spielberg called um, after filming this. Actually, the the, gre- the greatest actor in the world. Um, it is hard to refute that. Actually. Um, at the time, you know he's he's definitely he was definitely one of the great statures I think out there. So and he does. It's just a shame that he doesn't get more to do and he doesn't get like you know he doesn't he, not even he can really save this, which is a bit of a shame. I just I just think it was a, a real misfire and it's just by this point, kids and everybody had become obsessed with dinosaurs, so it was always going to do well at the box office um, and and kids would have been happy with it enough because there was enough there was dinosaurs in it and it, they were you know but critically. I thought it was bollocks even then, and it hasn't. I, my opinion hasn't changed in, in 15, 16, well, nearly 20 years, actually. So, thumbs down for The Lost World, I think. Mm-hmm. We're going to move away again from the dinosaurs, and uh, just quickly, we're going to talk about the current box office figures um, mm. for the UK, uh, which are always interesting. This is for the weekend of the 5th to the 7th of June, so uh, the previous weekend uh, to the one we're recording on, and... Uh, we're going to go down at number 10 um, falling rapidly actually in two weeks is Man Up um, which has made a million that's all uh, it's, it's only
4: had a limited release that though hasn't it relatively speaking I mean it's, it's either of multiplexes and things it's not really no,
2: no this is 306 cinemas really? so that's yeah that's a fairly it's a fairly wide release it's been in cine worlds <laughs> and things like that so it's done nothing really at the box office it's debuted um, halfway up and it's I'm not surprised it hasn't done much but I, I it's I think it would still probably be considered a flop, even so. At number nine, um, now. Yes, good um, luck. (laughs) I'm going to mispronounce this. Um, Dil (laughs) Dil (laughs) Dad. It's a Bollywood film, alright, it's a Bollywood film. Um, It's called Dil (laughs) Dadakani (laughs) Do, I think. I I don't know what that film's about at all, but it's a Bollywood film, and, um, you know, there there is definitely a market for that, so. uh, I'm
4: always always impressed because I've never been involved or interested in a boy because I, 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 just, I just don't understand it but it always, they always seem to do well at the box
5: office
2: simply, yeah they, they definitely have a, a fan base well that's made just over 200,000 um, so yeah at uh, number eight um, this is a little bit of a cheat I suppose but it's yes um, it, yeah, this is um, uh, the Empire Strikes Back but obviously the Empire Strikes Back hasn't had a release You know, nationwide. This is purely from the secret cinema event in London. Um, So it's just one screening, and um, it's made three hundred four thousand pounds already. And this is this is over (laughs) one weekend. I mean, the reason the reason is that the tickets are seventy five pounds a pop, so they're they're counting the seventy five quid as the. So it's it's a cheat. It is a cheat. If if it keeps going like this, this would be top of the box office. Like you know, very probably not. Probably not this week. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. hmm. But but um, well, no. I'm surprised they're we, counting it to be honest because <laughs> it's a bit of a you went.
4: Uh, you went to that, didn't you, Tony?
2: I did, and hmm. um, I I I actually probably can't tell you much about it because I, no. you, you do have to sign a confidentiality. Yes, to yeah, go. it is. It is.
4: It is um, very well, it's, it's secret, isn't it? it what is, what it actually which happens? Is, uh, but, which is
2: why I've I've I haven't reviewed it actually properly because hmm. I know I'd give too much away. Um. There's a lot more to
4: it than just
2: the film. Suffice so to say, yeah, it's a, it's a gen, genuine immersion into, into the world mm. of Star Wars. And it, it's, it's marvellous. I mean, it, it's completely worth the money. It's a lot of money, but it, it's really worth it. It's, it's a fantastic experience. And it's all, all night, you know, it's a good five hours experience. And, I, yeah, I went with um, my mates Lee and Matt. And uh, Lee bought with him um, an, 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 a small R2-D2. With him, like a, a, a baby-sized R2D2, which actually speaks, and you know it responds to commands. So you say, "Hey R2," and it goes, <laughs> and does the head turn. So kids were loving that because uh, it never—it wasn't. It was being quite surly. So because it, it, the batteries were powered down, so at times it wasn't responding. It was just going. Da-da! like that and then <laughs> it was being lee, r2 yeah and when lee would turn to it and go you don't want to know r2 do you, do you? He'd just shake his head and go <laughs> brilliant uh, so but no wonderful wonderful experience i would recommend it to anyone it, it's especially if you go there and you're not a star wars obsessive you might be a
0: hey i'm ryan reynolds at mid mobile we like to do the opposite
2: You know, it might be a bit too much for you, but if you love Star Wars, it, it's unlike anything else. So, and obviously, Empire Strikes Back is a great film. Uh, and number seven, um, Tomorrowland, um, which in its third week has now made, uh, it's made four million, nearly five million, which isn't too bad. So it's not, it's not done too bad, but it probably would have done a lot more had it got good word of mouth and everything, which I don't think it really has. And number six, still in there, is. Um, Avengers, Age of Ultron, that's made 47 million now, at, at just in our box office alone, which is... When,
4: when is it going to drop out of a top ten? It's going to be a month, two months.
2: <laughs> it's in its seventh week, and it's still showing at cinemas, so I uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they keep it rolling over the summer holidays as well, to get some more kids to mm. go back and watch it. Um, mm. Well, it'll, it'll so. probably float up again when, when Ant-Man
4: comes out, won't it? So. Yeah,
2: possibly. I think it'll break for 50 million at some point. Mm. Which is great. Uh, a number five, dropping uh, a couple of places, is uh, Pitch Perfect two. Um, in its fourth week, it's made sixteen million. It's not bad. It's not doing too badly. Um, good little run, has not it? Yeah. yeah so good little run. It's certainly made enough globally to, to that there are already talks about the third film, which delights Don't me. Do it. I, I loved it. No, I love Pitch Perfect. <laughs> I love both. Well, I, I love the first one. This one is yeah. good. No, but I love them. Oh, okay. it's <laughs> Anna
4: Kendrick. She's just
3: adorable. Yes. She really is.
2: And they're just nice <laughs> films. But yeah, Luke, are you not a fan of Picture Perfect?
3: I uh, loved the first one. Uh, mm-hmm. second one was meh. And the third one, if they do do it, I think it's just going to go down again. Uh, and I'd rather have the good memories <laughs> than, well, it was good, but then look what's happened. And it's, yeah... So it's, a, it's a strange one because that's normally the type of film that I really love, and <laughs> yeah. I'd be championing all the way. But um, is this it, a, a similar
4: scenario to say if it's going to be?
3: I mean, it probably won't be, but if
4: it's a sequel to Mean Girls comes out, it'd be a similar scenario. Uh, well, well, one that's actually you know probably released, not just a sort like <laughs> um
3: quick. Yeah, yeah. It's you know, it's. I don't think it's an idea a idea that is big enough to have multiple sequels. I I think it should have just been a self-contained solo film. A lot of what was good about the first one was lost in the second one, I thought. Um, just, just be
4: glad it's um, not Sony behind it, otherwise they'd try and build a cinematic universe around it because they're desperate to have
3: one. <laughs> oh, they'll just <laughs> reboot yeah. it in three years and then three years <laughs> later they'll reboot it again and then reboot it again like they're doing with Spider-Man.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah, so, what just, you, just, you just have a separate franchise for for each cheerleading team throughout the United States and then <laughs> they have a big crossover at a cheerleading arena. It, it I don't know.
2: Not, it would not surprise me. <laughs> <laughs> um, Sony and Matt. I, yeah. I think, I think there's, I think there's room for a third. I think a third would really be it. I mean, that that you couldn't do any more than that. There's definitely room for a third film. I mean, as soon as I walked out, I could see the plot of the third film already, you know, in my head. You know, um, it, it's easy enough to figure out. So I'm, and then mm-hmm. by the sound of it, they're definitely going to do it. So, you know, that's good because it's a nice film. Um, yeah. At number four, uh, still in there, um, wonderfully in its fourth week. Mad Max uh, Fury Road. This has made fifteen million now, which is a good take, so it's it's done well. Film of the year so far for me, oh, nothing has come I close was, to beating it. I was about to say um, the same,
4: I was about to say exactly the same as my film of the year, by by country mile.
2: Yeah, nothing so far has touched the sides of that, so I'm hoping some stuff will. Um, There's a couple of
4: films coming out towards the back end of the year that might have a chance, but yeah. for now, for now.
2: If, if it's not in my top five of the year, I'll be I'll be pretty amazed. Wonderful film. And number three, Insidious, Chapter 3, um, which uh, One end of, scale to be over. End of yeah. a scale to the other One like end of a scale to the other right there. Ian, uh, Ian destroyed it. In fact, uh, speaking of that, you can, uh, if you go to um, uh, Zedmore Rants in on YouTube, you can see Ian Austin do more of a uh, of an in-depth rant <laughs> about Insidious Chapter Three. Um, so I do recommend you pop and give him a look. Um, that has made nearly 1.5 million though, so it's you know it's made. Not bad, not bad money. Um, Usually, usual teenage crowd for any new yeah. horror film that comes out, is not it? But I, I don't think it will last much longer. I think it will pretty, it will sink pretty fast. If, it, if it's if it's um, top five
4: next week, then I'll be very surprised.
2: I agree. And number two, uh, San Andreas, um, with The Rock versus Nature in its second week. Uh, the Rock versus Rocks. Oh. The Rock versus Rocks. Um, see, that's made see, eight and a half million, so that's a big hit, and it will probably stay in there for a while yet.
4: Surprise her because it's nothing groundbreaking.
2: Ah, oh, very good. Very good. Um, I'll be here all week. <laughs> I think you're actually on a technical point, right, though. <laughs> uh, it is
4: true. It was. It's a good old standard uh, disaster movie. It would yeah, probably been made about 1975 and you went to Bratton and I would.
2: Yeah, It's an old Irwin Allen just with a bit of cherry Psychoid. on it, really. Um, But it's got the rock, and anything with the rock deserves a bit of a. At number one, though, inevitably, in its first week, in is Spy at uh, two point five million. Um, so it's made a good, done a good growth growth this weekend. Um, I think Spy will hang about there for a couple of weeks at least. I, I thoroughly enjoyed Spy. Like I said last week, I thought it was, I think it was great fun. It's not perfect. It's got, it's, it, it's, it's a bit too long. <laughs> Um, it, it's plot goes a bit round the sometimes, and Miranda's pointless, but the rest of it. <laughs> that's just general, general that's just a general viewpoint. In, in general, but especially in the film. Yeah. In general, I think overall it just—it really made me laugh a lot. Plus, um, Statham Staven. He's a joy to
4: behold. see, I want Statham just to go off down that route of being. being, much about like Chris Hemsworth earlier, but playing against type and being more comedic seems to work for Statham
2: I think, yes, but as long as he doesn't do it too often. I think every now and, Not and then... That's a point of parody, but... Yeah. Every now and then, yeah, maybe go off and do something. I mean, if they do a... Well, say if, when they do a Spy 2, and I'm sure they will. You know, get him spies. back... You know, sure, yeah, for spies! Sure, yeah, spies. Must be. Um, I'm sure they will probably do a sequel, because it's done quite well at the box office. But, yeah, I, I, I think he's, he's... The thing is, he's always been good at this. I mean, if you go back to Snatch... You know, oh, I mean he was really funny in Snatch playing like a, a slightly sort of what oh, the fuck kind of villain kind of kind of a gangster you know he's, he's always had that edge of comedy yeah. to him but um,
4: yeah the transporter makes... films transporter yeah. films I mean the yeah, first yeah. one really, but yeah
2: there's definitely a bit of dry witty there I agree so yeah that's the box office um, expect uh, uh, Jurassic World to trample its way, <laughs> oh, so good there to trample and roar its way into the uh, into the top of the charts next week. But we'll uh, we'll examine that when we're back. Um, we'll
4: chew, we'll chew into it, shall we? We'll chew into it
2: next week. <laughs> yeah. Um, speaking of, um, let's chew into the next uh, of the dinosaurs.
5: So, get no it isn't. Hey, no, it is.
2: Um, I'm determined. Um, tune to the next Jurassic film and this is um, Jurassic
0: Park 3 I have a, a proposition I'd like to discuss with you I've chartered an airplane to fly us over Isla Sorna, and we'd like you to be our guide we'd love to make a contribution to your research here it could almost be paradise my god I'd forgotten
1: we have a landing strip up you here cannot you cannot land on this island oh my god, oh my god.
0: But in this forbidden place, where man has tampered with nature,
5: this is how you make dinosaurs.
0: This is how you play God. Something unexpected has evolved.
3: Yeah, the the, the first one to not be based on a book or have Spielberg behind it, and which obviously really shows. <laughs> Basically, um, starts opens up with a, a man and a boy. Parasailing around this island, which, you know, what's going to go wrong there? <laughs> um, get lost on the I island. So his parents hire the protagonist of the first film, Sam Needle, to fly around the island only. They'll, they won't land, they'll just fly around. Um, <laughs> they land.
2: <laughs> and, Damn. Is shocking me? I mean, you know.
3: There's three big things missing from this one uh, Michael Crichton, Steven Spielberg and T-Rex <laughs> um, you know what's, arguably what's... the most well-known dinosaur and it's a Spinosaurus that's the big dinosaur from this one
2: Steven Spielberg was involved on a production level in mm. fairness he was the yeah. executive producer but yeah I know what you mean Joe Johnston
4: was a director wasn't he he's a, he's a mm. darn good director at certain things The Rocketeer and mm. Captain America obviously
3: but... this, this film had three writers but it doesn't have an ending
2: <laughs> it, it a... doesn't have any yeah, you're right there, it doesn't at all
3: It, yeah. it um, you it's a lot of middle it's a hell of a awesome lot yeah, middle it... it went into production and they started filming before the script was even finished and that definitely shows that it was just <laughs> like, oh so what do we do now what do we do now, what do we do now and then it ends, you know, you're at the end of your 90 <laughs> minute run time and they just leave the island <laughs> <laughs> um, sort is similar to previous films but yeah, the, the, I don't like the ending to this one at all. It it builds up to this, um, you know. I think it has the great chase of the spinosaurus following them throughout the film, but then they just kind of peter out about fifteen minutes before the end, where you fire a flare at some water and it just swims off.
2: Yeah. And then
3: you have the the velociraptors at the end with the eggs, and <laughs> Sam Neill blows on a computer made larynx. And oh obviously that God, means yes. that the Raptors understand what he's saying and he's saying the exact right thing to them. And they just take their eggs and leave and then they run to the beach and get on a boat. It's <laughs> There's no ending I, to it at I all. Love, I love the Universal
4: Translator for what's about to I really do. I'm surprised that <laughs> didn't take off in, in Toy Stores up in <laughs> <laughs> it's a, the it's a Country.
2: It's a weird film, this, because... It's, I mean, it came about, I think, partly because when... Um, money. The first film was made. Well, yeah, money mainly. But when when the first film was made, Joe Johnson actually said to Spielberg, yeah, to do the sequel." Yeah, and then he said, "Well, no, I want to direct that." I mean, well, sh- that stupid choice there, Steve. But like, um, I mean, he pretty much probably knew there'd be another one because yeah. he was gonna make money, and he said he, said he could do the do, third. Yeah. yeah, he said you can do the, you can do the third one if we ever make it. So that was probably another factor towards it, and it's the whole thing of well. Yeah, you can totally tell that they didn't finish the story. It went through, yeah, uh, they, they spent eighteen million actually on on pre-production of a completely different story, which they then junked five weeks before they were going to start filming because it didn't work. So then they had to they brought back David Koepp who, who directed, who wrote the first and second, partly the second mm. films. No, um, all
4: completely the second and partly the first. Yeah, yeah.
2: There you go, and. um so they got him back involved.
4: Tell me a good move, in that case, if he was responsible for the second
2: one. Well, well exactly. And then um, they, they came up with this rescue plot, you know, which in, in theory, you know, I mean, it's... It's, it's save for it. Well I'll, well, I'll say this for it. It's got more of a streamlined idea than the second yeah. one. You know, it's not it's not baggy like that. It's, it's half an hour shorter for a start. I mean, I'll give it its due. It, mm. it gets in and gets out you know, quickly, you probably to it's like Luke's, like you say, Luke, it, it doesn't end probably. No, <laughs> it, would, it would have been, it would have been an hour and 45 minutes if you had an act three. Actually, yeah, if it had an act three, you're absolutely right, it just ends. And it's, it, it, it's, born you know, like
4: legacy syndrome is what I call that.
2: Yeah, definitely, definitely. It's that similar kind of thing. Oh, is that it? it and you wonder what the point was. I mean, all yeah. way through this, I was thinking, well, it feels like if they made a Jurassic Park TV series, this would be a two-parter. Or maybe even just a random single episode. Mm-hmm. You know, just oh, oh. come back next week.
4: True, yeah. next week for more yeah. dino rampaging fun.
2: Right, and it's just like, and it, it has none of the satire or the subtext or the. No, it was you know darker just, than the first two. It, it
4: seems, it seems like people have just sort of cooked it up in a sort of meth lab for dino plots, where they've just thought, what worked in the first one, what worked in the second one, let's mush it together and create a new story. Yeah. And and you know, creating something new right about that might not always work. But um it, it doesn't matter because it's it strips away the humanity behind it in my view. But yeah, particularly in the true. first one and the second one they have box, but it, it just sort of went, Dinosaurs, yeah. yay.
2: Well what it's trying to do is Are they going to have a T Rex in <laughs> it? Well, yeah, no no T Rex. But what it's trying to do is is keep that theme of family going. You know, that, that's yeah. something they've tried to do throughout the whole mm. of the Jurassic But And it's yeah. very still it's very Spielberg. I mean Joe oh, Johnson yeah. oh. Joe Johnson is basically you know a Spielberg wannabe effectively and he's a good director and he's he's an underrated director actually but he's he's, he's very it. much in the mold of Spielberg yeah and he's very pop and it's that kind of you know he's, they keep that idea about the family but the problem is it's it's just it, it, the other the other films have this underlying idea of subtext in terms of you know it was, the villains in the in the all the other Jurassic Park films, and I include Jurassic World in this, are not the dinosaurs. The villains are the stupid humans, mm-hmm. right, around it. Now, there's none of those. You could argue that the parents are a bit stupid, but they're not bad guys. You know, the bad guy here is the Stegosaurus, I think it is, or the you know, whatever it is, the Spinosaurus. Yeah, and the, the dinosaurs aren't supposed to be the villains. The dinosaurs are just the monsters who. You know, they're like, heavies. Just yeah, doing what they do. You, yeah, you could argue that the, the Indominus Rex is a villain, obviously, but it, it, mm. there's a difference. You know, it, mm. it, it, they're just doing what they're doing. They're, they're just carnivores that are that eating things. But in this, it's set up that that is the baddie. You know, and it's like, well, you're missing the point of the whole thing. Exactly. This just doesn't have a point to it. You
4: know, the other weird thing is, this is actually less a Jurassic Park film and closer to Arthur Conan Doyle's the lost world, as in the novel. Um, yeah, than just pe- people turn up, yeah, people turn up to a place where there's dinosaurs, which is, what it is rather than the whole you know creation and the whole aspect yeah. of, of of mad scientists and stuff, which is what Jurassic Park is. In, you know, I mean, I think playing golf. I think,
2: I think this is a better film than The Lost World, but I think the Lost see, World, I, I can't, just, I can't say that. I can't say that. Only just, and I think that you know, only fragment, only the fragment. I think because it's streamlined, because it actually
4: something else a better reading man.
2: Sam Neill is a much better leading as man. As
4: much he as I love Jeff Goldblum. Him. I love Jeff Goldblum, and he's my favourite actor in the entire Jurassic Park franchise, but Sam Neill's a better leading man.
2: Yeah, I agree. And and I think that helps to have him back. And it's, you know, so I, I will give it to you that it's slightly better, but what at least The Lost World had a standout sequence and had the mm-hmm. undercurrent of, of commentary to it again. <clears throat> I think Jurassic Park 3 is, is a little bit of a misstep, um, really. In yeah. Mm. And the had, other
3: thing that's never mentioned, this... The three pteranodons that fly away at the end—like, yeah. did, did, did 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 they not find civilization? Did they just happen to find another abandoned island and live there happily ever after? <laughs>
2: well, I was thinking about that because aren't they deadly?
3: Yeah. Well, we see that. We well, see it in the World. fourth one. With <laughs> yeah, You like. can't
2: just be left just to flap about it being
3: I was hoping it'd be mentioned <laughs> oh, in the no. fourth one, but I mean, the though, same I'm glad one they ignored we it. it but well, I it let's face one,
2: it, one. I think Jurassic World kind of just decides that it's going to be the second sequel, really. Yeah. I mean, it, it really does sidestep the last, these two films, and probably for the good, for the better, really. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I yeah, was Sona doesn't exist in this continuity, you well, Yeah, I think it kind of, in a way, it doesn't. I think really, yeah, I think just
4: it, three... it
3: was I was Sona, wasn't it? For me, it was I was Sona. Yeah, it was I was Same in the, the second. Yeah. Just because you can't afford to build the sets again, so let's it stick it on the island The old or ones. it's It's the whole thing they're doing with um, Alien 5, isn't it? That's like a follow-on from Aliens. <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's just disregard the ones that people don't like, and we'll follow up with what everyone likes. <laughs>
2: I think as well. The one thing I must mention as well is how bad Taylor Leone's acting is in the. In this oh film. God! And there's there's that one atrocious. scene where she sees the skeleton of of the of the guy, and her. I mean, her reaction it, it's, it's, <laughs> it is hilarious. The, the overacting she does is it, it, no wonder she got nominated for a Golden Raspberry. <laughs> it is, it, it's probably for that moment alone. It would have be, like, been
4: better if she done a Vospery at that point.
2: Yeah, I think it would have been. It's just, oh my god! You know, let's just pretend Jurassic Park three and the Lost World don't mm. exist. Moving on, I'm going to introduce a new section now, which I'm going to do in recurring um, fashion whenever I'm hosting the podcast, which won't be too often. Don't worry. Uh, and it's going to be called um, Director's Corner, and the idea is that. Um, It focuses on the filmography and discusses um, a a specific director. Um, And the idea will be that it will link to pretty much whatever we're we're talking about, ideally. So where better to start than the man himself, Steven Spielberg? So I'm just going to talk a little bit, or we're all going to talk a little bit about Steven Spielberg and about his career. Um, Steven Spielberg's an interesting director, really, because I think that when it was the the so-called American New Wave... Mm. Um, which had, you know, your Francis Ford Coppola's, your Martin Scorsese's, you know, you George George Lucas's, you know, know, (laughs) Spielberg's. I think they're all huge names, but I think Spielberg is so synonymous with with filmmaking of the last 30, 40 years. Mm. I think he's just, he's one of those people that you don't have to know anything about movies to know who he is. If somebody says Steven Spielberg, everyone will know that he directed probably Jurassic Park or Jaws or you know Schindler's list or one of the films that or, or Indiana Jones they'll know more than likely who he is and i think to actually sort of get to that point you have to be somebody who's made such a massive impact on popular culture and i think in i think really if you look when you if you look back at the history of 20th century cinema and i think if you track that i think even even more than hitchcock i think spielberg will be the one who made the most kind of cinematic impact on pop culture
4: summer you know, blockbuster he invented yeah. for summer blockbuster
2: well he did i mean you know if you go right back to the very beginning he you know he started you know, quite you know, low, low scale he started more on television you know and he, he was doing things like yeah you know, different uh shows like night gallery and uh and just random shows like that but it was it was the first the first thing he did for me actually is my favourite Spielberg and it's really? I, know, I, I know it's not his best but I think it's up there I think it's in his top three or four it's Duel which Duel uh, is Duel is the film that nobody remembers you know everyone remembers Jaws as the first big Spielberg film and it was and it was the film that put him on the map and put blockbusters on the map but Duel for me is a marvellous phenomenal piece of work it was made for television based on a, a Richard Matheson story but it was it's just about a truck that a truck with a driver you never see that chases a businessman through the desert and tries to kill him and it is 90 minutes of utter utter terror and tension and it's the and one of the best directed things I've ever seen in my life and it's it was like Jurassic Park before Jurassic Park actually when I was really young when I was about 6 or 7 I remember watching it on television and I became obsessed with that film before I knew who Spielberg was before I watched a lot of other films I just was—I couldn't stop watching that, and it used to scare me to death. And even now, it, it chills me. You know, it's like a know. long
4: episode of the *Twilight Zone*, isn't it?
2: Yeah, it really is. It's—it's it's like it—it it, it is. It's all like an outer limits or something. It's just—it's—it's mm. it's a terrifying film it, because it's it, the tension is turned up to eleven, and and that's something that he was—you know—he's always been very good at. You know, when he gets to *Jaws*, and that's a very different kind of film. That's much more horror and horror-based in many in many ways. But that was the first film that really just put the template out there for what would be an event film. And if anything, I think Spielberg, more than Lucas, actually, invented that kind of event movie.
4: Yeah, Because it's quite placing it in the summer as well, because before Jaws, for summer it was like a dead end, right? What we term like January, February now, that was the summer. It's like you just chuck any old film in the summer, and you know, no, no one will go because everyone's out, outside. And then Jaws appears. Boom! Changes the landscape.
2: Definitely, you know, in in you know, it led then to, you know, films like you know Richard Donner with Superman and um, mm. and obviously then Star Wars, um, mm. which and you know you can't take anything away from the fact that George Lucas created the biggest, you know, the biggest ever franchise and the biggest blockbuster. Don't get me wrong, but I know that. But in terms of impact, it, it, it in in terms of actual cinema and, and not just like. Impacting pop culture, but quality as well, and, and the amount of different iconic things that was created. I don't think you can touch Goldberg in terms of that. Certainly not in that period. Maybe from like nineteen seventy-five to about nineteen ninety-five. That mm-hmm. period when he was probably at his peak, and when he was probably oh,
4: no doubt, know, no doubt. It was just hit, 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 hit. It wasn't was,
2: it? you know, it was. You know, after after you know Jaws, it was close encounter to the third kind. Well. And then you know it was, uh, and then it was Raiders of the Lost Ark. There were there were there are there have been the odd missteps like 1941, which was, yeah. which was a, 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 an admirable failure. Let's put it that way. You know, and things things like that. But you know, th- then we did Raiders, and then ET as well. I mean, ET, <laughs> my God! I mean, that may be the most sort of biggest pop culture film of the eighties, E.T., or one of them anyway. Everybody knows Wait, what E.T.
4: is. That's that's the most Spielberg Spielberg film of Spielberg done, isn't it, lad? He's got everything Spielberg in one in one package. Yeah, Family and, and and you know adventure and you know sort of poignancy and all the sort of things he brings to every film. He just squished it all together into into a, a weird old squash head alien.
2: Yeah, <laughs> and <yeah>. it worked. <laughs> And he spent he spent a lot of time doing those kind of films, and then when he did the Color Purple in 1985, it showed the other flip side that he then he then has developed, and then he's pretty much ever since gone from one to the other. Where he went from mm, popcorn really family to friendly popcorn, yeah, like you say, where it's you know he went from Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom to the Color Purple. I mean that you can't get more you know more of a contract <laughs> in terms of films. Well,
4: 1990 for me, as we mentioned.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah, right, exactly. Um, with Jurassic Park and Schindler's List it's it's that whole thing so you know you've got somebody who's flipping between very weighty dramatic meaty material and then who's actually doing stuff that's that's really popcorn and and, you know exciting and, and adventure and everything like that and it's you know That's a trend that carries on. You know, when you get to things like Hook, which was another film I was obsessed with. I mean, this is why Spielberg isn't my favourite director now. My favourite director is Stanley Kubrick. I think most people would 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 love at least one Spielberg film, if not more. Oh, uh, yeah. I'd be stunned if somebody hated everything Spielberg has done. One side of the
4: spectrum or the other.
2: Right, because exactly, you may hate all his popcorn stuff, but I don't think anyone with a straight face could turn around and say Schindler's List* is a bad film. I mean, you'd, you'd have to be an idiot. Quite frankly. <laughs> right? it's, it's, it's just, it's just not a bad film. It, it's, it's phenomenal. So then you've got, you know, you've got that, that, we, and then you've got, you know, flipping from like you say *Jurassic Park* to *Amistad*, and then back again to, you know, things like, and then to *Saving Private Ryan*. I mean, think of this. I mean, think of the filmography. Every, almost everything he's ever done. Has is a film that most people have seen, or most people have talked about, or know about, or has has hit some kind of nerve in pop culture, and has done so many different genres that have covered things to do with with racism, with you know the Holocaust, with you know the slave trade, you know to things like you know the, the Second World War. I mean the whole Normandy landings thing that, oh. we did, which was just incredible, you know. I
4: I, just... I hold up the opening sequence of Saving Pepper Bane is the best. War depiction of all time. I mean, be only twenty minutes of that be actual normally running the best depiction of war ever it, by a, by a, an absolute
2: male. He's stunning. He's stunning. You know, it's just he he really does often set the bar and and everything like that. He he's one of those directors who will will happily just change. He's gone into all kinds of genres as well. You know, he had the spell in the early two thousands where he did things like AI and. Minority Report which I don't think were particularly great films and I think he's he's not as comfortable in that kind of sci-fi too sci-fi area than.
4: See I have a soft spot for Minority Report I think that's, that's a very underrated little film that.
2: I wasn't a big fan of that one but hmm. I can see why it's hmm. you know it's certainly I think I'm in a minority most people really start Minority Report You're a minority I'm in a minority <laughs> <this> <laughs> didn't, even, didn't even intend that joke and, but then you know it, I think really from the 2000s I think he's become a little bit more hit and miss to an extent I think he's,
4: he's focusing more you know, on being a producer to some extent these days isn't he he yeah, I mean, isn't directing quite as much or, or quite as many big films as he used to
2: no not quite you know, he didn't do as many in the 2000s um, one he did do which I think is very underrated was The Terminal um, with oh, Tom, with Tom was Hattie. that Spielberg? That was Spielberg. I never realised that was Spielberg, Yeah, and I, it got mixed reviews, but I I really like that film. I think it's a very sweet movie, and I think it... very
4: un-Spielberg to a way, but also you can see, yeah, I can see yeah. it. Yeah, I can see
2: it. There's that, yeah. Um, you know, and then things like Munich, which I thought Munich was was very good. You know, not one of his greatest biopic kind of things. You know, serious films, but it was very good. But then it's. It's interesting lately. He, like you say, he hasn't done that much. I think his his last great film was probably um, Lincoln. In fact, I think that might have been his last film actually that he, that came out. Well, and Lincoln was was very good. Uh, so it's it's been interesting how you know his next film is now Bridge of Spies, which is another Tom Hanks, um, you know, Cold War kind of threat. Yes. So it's that will be interesting to see. It's it's like it, written by the Coen brothers as well. So that could be wonderful. Yes. Um, but he's one of these directors who I think has. Has really sort of put that kind of stamp on cinema from roughly the seventies. I think more than any other. Like you say, he's produced all kinds of things. You know, if you if you look back at a lot of the movies in the last thirty years, all the re- a lot of the well-known ones. Even if he hasn't directed them, he's probably been involved in them. Poltergeist, Gremlins. There have been a lot, you know, of things, TV series that he's been involved with, and. You know, all kinds of all kinds of things like
4: odd, that. Odd things like, he was a producer in. He was a producer about Men in Black and stuff like that. Is that Austin Powers.
2: Right, Men in Black, Austin Powers. Transformers. Included, Transformers, yeah. You know, and all these kind of things that they might all not be particularly ah. great, but they, they have his name on them. All these things that people have responded to or gone to scene or have become massive hits through DreamWorks. He's, you know, mm. and Industrial Art and Magic and all these things. He's become that guy once you got into the era of like you know your godfathers and, and things like that and then Jaws and then Star Wars those that, that was the point really where movies became more than more than just films they became lifestyles for people they became they became interest points they became obsessions really before then they the, the, that wasn't quite how it was They were, they were pieces of art or they were there were things people would go and see for escapism. It was that point where people started to live their lives by things like Star Wars or Indiana Jones, or you know. And and it's it's through people like Spielberg who who gave birth to that kind of you know devotion and immersion in cinema. And I I when I look when I think about all the films I love and all the films that I I grew up loving and all the childhood films, he is pretty much the one director who's done most of them. When I think about it, so. I think he's a genius in many ways. Yeah, and I think if it, I think his contribution to cinema has been astronomical. I think without him, it would be, it would have been a lot less.
4: Totally agree. Totally agree. Yeah.
2: And speaking of him, he's uh, he's an executive producer in uh, in the big one, the one we're here to mm-hmm. talk about, it. Jurassic World.
0: We have learned more in the past decade from genetics than a century of digging up bones. A whole new frontier has opened up. We have our first genetically modified hybrid.
1: You just went and made a new dinosaur? Probably not a good idea. Almost 40 feet high. Really think she climbed out. Depends.
2: On what? what kind of dinosaur are they cooked up in that lab obviously the new the newest Jurassic Park film not a reboot not a remake but let's just say sort of a sequel i suppose to the first film like like we said before it kind of just skips skips out the last two and this is set back on I- I- Isla Nublar the first um island from the first film and uh, this is basically John Hammond's vision of Jurassic Park has become a reality it's now Jurassic World it's this glossy super duper theme park that has been created with tons of dinosaurs with 2000 people a day visiting it's got attractions, it's got stores, it's got rides, it's it, the whole the whole shebang, the whole thing that people have conveniently forgotten 20 years people will eat you to death and they've built <laughs> and they've built a dinosaur you know, Disneyland basically and you know Shocker, inevitably, a dinosaur gets loose and problems happen. (laughs) Shocker. Really? I know. That's a shame. The Indominus Rex, which is a genetically modified dinosaur, which uh, has been created because people need bigger attractions. They're not happy with T-Rexes. They're not happy with big, giant dinosaur fish things that leap up and eat sharks.
4: I do know the name of that one. That's a Mosasaur. Oh, Mosasaur. A Mosasaur. A
2: there yeah. Mosasaur. They're not happy with Mosasaurs. Uh, eating jaws. Or Eat, yeah, eating jaws. <laughs> they want more. They want... And unfortunately, the scientists breed, basically, a not case of a dinosaur that decides, fuck this, I'm not going to be kept in captivity, I'm going to go out there and <laughs> kill everybody um, and starts killing for sport, not survival. So, gentlemen, what hmm. do we think of... The new one.
3: I like what it mentioned in the title. I like the world they built. Oh yes, um, I think the world was brilliant, and um, the dinosaurs were great. But the characters <laughs> were not so great. Um, they were really let down by the characters. There wasn't anyone that kind of had the charisma of Malcolm, or I don't know. There was just there was just lots missing. I think the ten years it's taken to sort the plot out has just kind of left the characters at the bottom of the pile. And Mm. because obviously there's been so many writers involved and so many drafts and whatnot. It it really does show that I didn't really care about any of them that died. Mm. The dinosaurs
4: had better characters than humans. I mean, it's very... Blue Blue
3: had much more uh, characterisation. They had more development than pretty much all of the characters.
4: All of the humans in the film. It's it's odd that the names that spring to mind from the film are, you know, apart from the lead, which is Chris Pratt, which is Owen Grady, the character names that spring to mind are Indominus Rex, Rexy, and Blue, and, and, and they're dinosaurs. <laughs> because they've, they've got four. I mean, in case of Indominus Rex, it's a completely insane-o. I mean, that's, that's actually a, a sort of a not a character arc as such, but it's, it goes off a dinosaur its own path, and, and Blue has a character arc. You, you suddenly you think a Velociraptor has a character arc, and... Be humans don't. What's going on here? But um you see, I, I have to agree with you at, on a lot of your points. I think I, I love the setup of the actual Disney World Jurassic, Jurassic World itself as a sort of Disney World meets zoo, with dinosaurs in it. All of that was fascinating to me. I actually wanted to spend longer just wandering around it. Mm. Yeah. Actually, is it really wrong that I would still go to that park? I would have wanted to, <laughs> if that park was actually open, I would go. Even even You're now. Maniac. Even You're now maniac. I would go. Cause it looks so cool to least, at least I, mean, I, I like zoos and theme parks and that sort of commercialized stuff
2: it did look it did I it looks great it did look really good yeah
4: i, I enjoyed that That's I mean, I a bit uh, it's a shame because i knew it was, obviously it was all going to go to hell in a hand yeah. car, but i was a bit disappointed like it was an old dinosaur petting zoo and i thought oh that's cute well, <laughs> i
5: don't
3: know wrong. how um, you guys saw it but i saw it at imax 3d mm-hmm. the 3d didn't add anything at all you know the only reason i watched when does 3D, it
4: when does it if it's not the, o- the only Cameron. reason i watched
3: 3d uh was the because the that was the only way it was shown at imax mm. but on imax it was absolutely stunning obviously everything's bigger and brighter mm. but it, i think it really did it worked really good in imax but the 3d was
2: nah. well, I, must, <clears throat> I must quickly just rant about that slightly because for some reason now well there's no IMAX 2D. Oh, well, I was going to say, for some reason, we know why. Because no one's going to watch just 3D anymore, right? People yeah. are going to watch IMAX and, and 2D, but nobody wants 3D. So what they're doing is they're bolting 3D onto IMAX, so we don't have a choice. So the only way to watch IMAX is to watch it in fucking 3D, which is, it, is it's, shit. It's and worth it nothing. for the
4: IMAX. It's worth it for the IMAX, because no, the IMAX experience is huge, when, and I love I, the IMAX.
2: But... When I went to see Age of Ultron in IMAX <clears throat> 3D, I <clears throat> genuinely think I didn't enjoy that film as much because... I was watching it in 3D. The, Ima- the IMAX was fine, right? Mm-hmm. It's because every, it, that film is so bloated with action. I, my, my eyes were just blurred by the end of it because <laughs> there was just too much going on. Did I you think,
4: also see Jurassic World in the same Chris Vaz, if anything, even more?
2: Well, exactly, I didn't. I chose to watch it just in 2D. Fair, deep, fair enough. I, was, I, was I refuse, say I refuse to, to indulge this IMAX 3D bollocks that they're now foisting on us. I refuse. I, I simply refuse. There's no... There's a line in, in the, the sand. <laughs> there is a line in the sand. I'm drawing this line. And it is a round Birmingham. <laughs> it is a round Birmingham. I've moated. I've given, it's a line of a moat.
5: I've sectioned burning him off. It, you know, I refuse.
2: Of course. I refuse People have been doing that for ages. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and it's just... Yeah, I'm not surprised, Luke. I'm not surprised that that's the reaction you had. Mm. Yeah. Mm.
4: You see, I I love IMAX, so I'm willing to accept 3D in that sense for the IMAX the IMAX because it was the scale I wanted. But Moses saw in particular. And that you know, sh- you know, makes it certain m- entrance. Um, that that just blew me away just the size and scale of it.
2: I think with Jurassic World, the the, the, thing, mm. the issue I had with this one, very similar lines to both of you really, mm. especially especially Luke. Mm. I think it was I think it was entertaining. Mm. I think it was fun. I, I can't I, I won't lie I did enjoy myself there was plenty of incident plenty of action um, Chris Pratt was great fun this was he, his Indiana Jones in, audition and he passed with flying colours
4: even even um, though he doesn't he's playing a very stock character but he just has enough inbuilt charisma yes. to make it work
2: Yeah, it were not him a split that wasn't exactly. even the split I'm guessing <laughs> that's just him it's just him right we knew that from Star Lord Guardians obviously is a a proper written film. This the script for this doesn't exist. The is this is a on film. Yeah, the, the, the script is rubbish. It's ridiculous. The, the 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 gender politics are very, very, very backward as well. Yeah, um, you know, to say the least. Uh, Bryce Dallas Howard, who, to be honest, I don't think is a particularly good actress anyway. Um, she she her character is just ridiculous. You know, she's. <laughs> She's supposed to be this strong, important female in a position of power, but she very quickly becomes. I think I describe this film as if they remade *Romancing the Stone* with Jeremy Clarkson, right? It's got the whole, It's 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 basically just this really retrograde, quite sexist idea that, that this strong woman who you know it, it, Kathleen Turner could have played this part twenty five years ago, right? It's that it's that kind of just. She starts off and she's supposed to be powerful and in charge but she she's a bit brittle and a bit icy. She can't connect with her family and her nephews. Um, but oh no, she, the moment she sees Chris Pratt and his big arms, she's all oh oh oh, oh let's let in the middle of, of my nephews almost being eaten by a fucking dinosaur. Let's have a flirt.
0: Let's have a kiss. Let's talk about
2: things. This is the other thing, and I talked to my housemates about this earlier. There is. At no point did any of these people react in the way that you would if a rampaging, psychopathic dinosaur hybrid was ra- was was about to eat t- 2,000 people. You wouldn't just suddenly start having a flirt. You wouldn't just suddenly sort of forget that there's a couple of kids on the loose. It's just, it's just so stupid, this film. It, it beggars belief. It, it's fun, but it is the most dumb film I think I've watched in some time.
3: I think one of the big... Things that highlights that to me, obviously, besides the Bryce Dallas Howard thing, was when they're in the gyrospheres, and that they are able to go off-road into the jungle, like, there's no way that attraction would be controlled by the people in the sphere. No! It's, it's just... It's, just, it's, it's more <laughs> unbelievable than them bringing dinosaurs back to life.
2: Is Jimmy Fowen in a Jurassic Park yeah. film? <laughs> That's the point. The irony of this is, and this is the big irony of this film, this film spent 15 years countless drafts loads of scripts Spielberg never been quite happy with with what it was and then Colin Trevorrow comes in who did safety not guaranteed and it was you know that was a nice little indie kind of slightly quirky film not bad not brilliant but not bad a director with potential comes in decides to rewrite it happens upon the fact that Mm. The, the very clever idea, in fact, and it's bizarre that nobody got to this quicker. It's a brilliant idea to actually make the park, which is what originally the, the first film was leading up to. To actually go to that point it makes a world of sense. It's the it's the obvious story for Jurassic Park to go. It's
4: into. a it's a brilliant conceit, isn't it? It's that, a great. That, that sells that sells the film immediately. The park, well. <laughs> the park is open. a tagline.
2: The park is open. This whole idea that we're, and the quite right idea that we've reached this point of consumer excess. That all we want is more, bigger, more. You see it in you see it in theme parks. I mean, look at the whole Smiler thing in the mm-hmm. Towers, right? You see it with all this right now. You see it with movies where it's bigger, more, franchises, massiveness, tons of films, you know, galactic wide madness. You see it all the time. <laughs> it makes complete sense that you would you would some idiot would open a fucking park like this, right? <laughs> the only problem is this film, it's like it, it's eaten itself because it, it's exactly the kind of corporate cash-in that this film is trying to satirise. I mean, uh, uh, did you notice the product placement?
3: Yeah. I don't know if you uh, can what, help, but... I was this, reading this, this, about this is that. Um, is it intentional? It wasn't, the studio, it wasn't the studio's idea for all the product placements. It was Trevorrow to mm. put it in because that's what the park would be like if it was a real park.
2: Right, yeah. I, now, have, I thought... So, I,
4: I don't think the excess of money pouring in as well to harm Matters. But
2: <laughs> well, yeah. <definitely. laughs> I, I understand that, but I think that the whole point of this film is that it's trying to satirize something that it's yeah. become itself. <laughs> and now the fact it's made 500 million in its first opening weekend actually is have just read to that. To, yeah. yeah. Ridiculous. to break all records. Yeah. I, I'm not even remotely surprised. You know, I'm actually quite glad because I like the franchise, right? I've got nothing against this film. I think it's fun. <laughs> I think it's harmless I think the action's good I think it's fairly it's enjoyable well put together it's enjoyable. it's enjoyable there was a moment I'd that it again as reminded well. me there was a moment that reminded me of the, 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 the for a moment for a fleeting moment of the awe of the first film where the kids run into the hotel room you've got the theme playing and they open the, the, the shutters and you see the park in all yeah. its glory that was one moment where I thought okay that reminds me a little bit of that kind of wow. Moment from the first film, not as good, but it reminded me of that. But then it just—it's so stupid. I mean, it, it, the, the, I mean, the whole thing of, of uh, you know the very idea of of Chris Pratt being able to get Raptors. To run <laughs> with him on a bike and then not kill him—he's just I, lunacy. It,
4: I still it, prefer that to the strange idea Vincent D'Onofrio has of them becoming weapons. Like, yeah, what's up? Yeah. He's an idiot, but he, he has real limit. I, who would realistically deploy dinosaurs as weapons? You of mean, war. You,
2: if you thought there were plot holes in in the last two films, they've got nothing on this. I mean, the, the, you could drive—you could drive a T-Rex through yeah. the plot holes in this film. Mm. But
4: mean, what it's, it's, what's it? What's it? What's Makes up for is it? it does it with such gusto and with and with such review? reviewer that you sort of think, yeah, technically this falls apart on pretty much any level, but you're with it, you're with it just yeah. because it's it's a hell of a ride.
2: You are, I would agree, it is a ride, it's but I don't think
4: it's, it's not anyone who believes it's better than the first one. I, 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 yeah, no, I, I, I have to, yeah. I, I have to have a long chat with you afterwards. Remonstrate with <laughs> them. It, it's, yeah. it's
2: rubbish. It, that, the very idea of that is rubbish. It's, of course it isn't. But it's, uh, but it's better than the... The, se- the, sec- the second best film. Comfortably yeah. the second best Jurassic World. film. But if it... But, and this, there will be a sequel. I mean, without... Jurassic Worlds. Jurassic <laughs> <laughs> Yeah.
4: Dinosaurs <laughs> on the moon.
2: Um,
4: what, <laughs> That's that it right <laughs> there. Dinosaurs <laughs> on the moon.
2: I Copyright, would, I would, me. I would venture that the, 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 that any next film will go back to the mainland now and try and do something Oh like no, as long as it isn't but at the right. end of
4: Lost World.
2: But, Don't well, go yeah. to San Diego. No, no, yeah, because Pete hates San Diego, let's not go there. <laughs> um, but uh, I think that, I think it's it's a load of old tush, but it was an enjoyable load of old tush. Mm. Um, I'd, rather, so
4: I'd think, rather face Smash Records than Transformers.
2: Yes, I, it's me too, um, by far. That's it then. We're at the end of uh, the dinosaur. Um, be- Come on, that was good. Come on.
5: <laughs>
4: no, it's right.
2: better than the last two. It is better. It's been better. You see. So yeah, we're at the end of the uh, of our Jurassic special. Uh, thank you for listening. This just joy- this just leaves me to thank uh, my guests and ask them if they would like to uh, shill their their Twitters or anything they've got on. Um, so uh, Luke, um, where can we find you?
3: Um well, <laughs> you can find me on twitter and Facebook but I don't really use it uh I will use this time though to plug a charity that I've been involved with recently called mummy's star oh, which it? is the only charity that uh, focuses on cancer during and post pregnancy um which you never hear about and you know cancer's bad enough as mm. it is but I just think you, you get told that you're gonna be a parent and and then six months later you told oh actually you've got cancer as well oh. um, I just think it's a horrible horrible thing and for it to be only I'd, I'd never even thought about it until I got involved with this charity yeah. um, I just think it's they, they do really good work um, but yeah uh, they're called Mummy's Star and um, yeah everyone should uh, go donate lots and lots of money to them are they on Twitter? Um, they are. It's um, at Mummies Star M U W M Y S S T A R. Oh, thank you for
2: thank you for plugging. that. I'll, uh, I'll, t- I'll tweet a link to a- you a- guys. Worthy. Yeah, please do. Very very worthy cause. Yeah, um, mm. yeah. That that's that's lovely. I hope uh, people donate some some stuff to those guys.
4: Yeah, Pete. Uh, yes, I feel incredibly selfish now.
2: Well, <laughs> boy, I've had a lifetime. Exactly. Exactly. Um.
4: Yes, uh, you can You can find me on, on Twitter if you want it, Pete D. Gass, or you can, you can try and find me on Facebook, but I probably won't add you, unless I like you. <laughs> Win
2: over people, Pete, there you go. Oh, yes, there you
4: go. Also, I uh, host a uh, podcast, well, I call it a podcast, it's more of a vidcast, really, on YouTube called The Word of Nerd Show. Um, basically, it's me and a few other people, including Black Hole Cinema's Dan Taylor, as a regular. Um, we get together every Friday night and talk geeky, nerdy news and stuff and play games and generally go mad. Um if you like if you like a bit of a you know, nerdy nerd out with lots of laughs then you know, it may be worth a pop over to YouTube and we are just just look for the word of no show on YouTube and on Twitter.
2: Lovely. Thank you very much. And
4: also donate to Oops
2: Charity. Yes. I'm <laughs> second um Pete now has redeemed himself for being such a selfish bastard by saying that, so well done. I, <laughs> I, uh, as ever you can find me at Black Hole Writer on Twitter and uh, Black Hole Cinema on uh, on Twitter and of course in Facebook where we post our new episodes uh, yeah, look us up so thanks guys, thank you for coming on
3: you're welcome thank you.
2: and um, we'll be back uh, next week for a, a standard episode where Dan Taylor will be back hosting um, for the first time in a while um, and we'll be reviewing the, viewing the latest movies, so uh, from us um, we're going to stomp our way to and uh, oh, oh, I'm not even going to try and do dark ones because I've forgotten. <laughs> so, Say bye for the better. Thanks, guys.
1: A new year is full of surprises, but one thing is always predictable: postage costs go up.